Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey there, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Kristen. And I'm Molly. Molly, I got a little quiz for you. See, See how much you've been following the news. Can you tell me... The first major piece of legislation that Barack Obama signed. And I'll give you a hint. It is not the stimulus package. Wow. I bet a lot of people think that it is. Yeah, it is not stimulus. Well, I actually know because I know what we're going to talk about today. Yeah. Um, it was actually the Lilly Ledbetter Fair Pay Act. Right. On January 28th, 2009, President Obama made good on one of his campaign promises to decrease the gender wage gap in the workplace by signing the Lily Ledbetter Fair Pay Act. So maybe we should talk about who Lily Ledbetter is. Yeah, I think she's pretty fascinating. I think she'll definitely be a, a female name that'll go down in history. Yeah. Uh, here's what happened with Lily Ledbetter. She is from Alabama, and she worked for the Goodyear Tire and Rubber Company from 1979 to 1998. She put in a long time. She worked her years, and but then she's going to take early retirement. Mm-hmm. She was an area manager. And I guess what I read happened is that right before she was going to retire, someone kind of slipped her a little piece of paper that showed her what everyone else in her position, uh, who were male, made. Uh, and she realized that all these years, Goodyear had been paying her far less than the other 15 male area managers. 15. And this, I mean, this is over almost 20 years. Yeah. And so she, as I think she should have, took Goodyear to court and said, this was wage discrimination. If all the males made this much, I should have made this much too. Mm-hmm. She wanted to be compensated for all the money that she wasn't, that she was owed. She felt like she was owed. Right. And the a jury agreed with her. But as things happen, the case ended up in the Supreme Court. And, uh, you know, it's been sort of a controversial decision. But the Supreme Court ruled against Lee Ledbetter, saying that she should have filed her claim within 180 days of when the alleged pay dis- discrepancy started. So basically that gives her, going back to like, let's say 1979 when she first gets hired, that gives her six months to figure out what everyone else is making and to figure out if there's a gender wage gap there. And if we're talking about 15 other area managers, that would be a pretty, it'd be a hard thing to find out. I mean, I I have no idea what you make, Molly, and honestly, I don't want to know. (laughs) And I've been working here for a year. Exactly. There's It just seems really uh, illogical that you could expect someone to find out within six months of their uh, starting pay uh, how much everyone else is making and whether any discrepancy is, is in fact even due to your gender. Right. So the Supreme Court had to toss out the case. Lily Ledbetter decided to keep fighting against gender wage discrimination, even though, she, I mean, she's never going to get this money back from Goodyear. But thanks to her work, uh, she has paved the way for a lot of other people to get their do wages. Right. Here's what happened. So after all her campaigning, and she did make a lot of campaign stops for Barack Obama when he was campaigning for president, on January 28, 2009, she was there when he signed into law this pay act, which um, basically expands the statute of limitations for lawsuits. So basically you can discover, you know, a little bit, you don't have just six months to figure out if you're mm-hmm. being paid less. Now, people on the other side say this is just going to encourage lawsuits, mm-hmm. that women are going to start coming forward and claiming that they're due all this money. And it's not just women. It can be it can be men as well. Right. But sort of wage discrimination. But what Lily Ledbetter has really become a symbol of is sort of the female side in this gender wage gap. Mm-hmm. But then you've got people saying that there's not a gender wage gap. 
Right. What's going on with that, Kristen? Now, Molly, I think we need to clarify. When people hear gender wage gap, you immediately think of maybe the National Women's Organization, people picketing outside, you know, for feminist causes. It definitely is a feminist platform. But the fact of the matter is the gender wage gap exists. I mean, it's not feminism. It's math. Lay some statistics on me. All right, Molly, here we go. According to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, can we really argue with them? No. No. The median wage in 2007 for women was 80% of that for men. Wow. So if you went to the dollar store, you could only have 80 cents. Yes, exactly, Molly. (laughs) Perfect perfect analogy. That's what 80% means. Now, some people argue that we've made a lot of progress. The gender wage gap has definitely narrowed since 1979 when the BLS started recording wage data. And at that time, women made 62% of what men made. So we've gone from 62% to 80% from 1979 to 2007. That's okay. That's, that's a lot, but Molly, really, is that a lot? I mean, that's like 20 years. It's 1% a year. Yeah. We're kind of, kind of just inching forward. So Let's break this down a little bit to understand maybe why the gender wage gap exists, because it is illegal for businesses to pay men and women different amounts for the same work. That went, that came into law a long time ago, 1963, with the Equal Pay Act. So what's going on here? Well, Kristen, that was 1963, which makes me think that maybe there weren't that many women in the workplace. So that might have been how the gender wage gap started, was just there weren't that many women, you know, in positions of that that were similar to men, basically. Right. That could be. But also, if we look at education, for instance, now women and men both get about the same amount of bachelor's degrees. But according to the U.S. Census Bureau, men with degrees make an average of $26,000 more every year than a degree-holding woman. So the same level of education, they're still making more. Mm -hmm. So something is still off. So maybe it has to do with the jobs that we're picking. Maybe we're just going into the wrong things. We need to start becoming hedge fund managers or something. It's possible because the fields that do attract the most women, like education, healthcare, just pay less. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically you do kind of fault yourself on what you pick. I mean, that sounds awful, but then it becomes a trade-off on, do you want a job you love that pays less, et cetera. But even in these female dominated fields, I guess what I'm concerned about is women still have to work harder to make the same and to get the same promotions. Mm-hmm. I found this really interesting statistic from the National Center for Education Statistics that said that women who are teachers have to work three years longer as a teacher than a male in terms of getting to the promotion of principal. Right. And in sectors such as education and healthcare that attract about a third of all female employees, men still make more money on average than women in those female dominated sectors. And as you move up the ladder from, you know, move up the pay scale, the gap only widens, which surprised me because you would think the more money that you start making, the higher that you're moving up in the world the more that's going to close, but it doesn't. The exact opposite happens. And only in the bottom 25% of earning levels do women outnumber men. But Kristen, let me play devil's advocate. I don't want to sound like we're just a bunch of whiny females. I mean, I don't think that they're, it's specifically a sexist discrimination thing, do you? Right. No, I don't think that it is for the very fact that all these statistics are coming from U.S. Census Bureau, Bureau of Labor Statistics. I mean, they're, they're not 
you know, acknowledge that it exists. And it also holds up among different races. Mm-hmm. And so it's not just a problem for women, but for people of other races. Right. The gender wage gap is actually the narrowest in between minority men and women. But that's because black and Hispanic workers are making the least amount of money. So that's where in when I talked about that bottom 25 percent of incomes, that's where a lot of those employees are falling. Okay, so now I'll play devil's advocate again. Okay. Are these men just working harder? Are they just doing a better job? Are we really just maybe not very good employees? Well, Molly, I don't think that you can necessarily judge on quality of work, but the time on the clock does make a difference. And statistically, men work more. And by work, I mean work for wages more than women. Right. And studies have shown that the more you work, the more you're going to make. Right. So if you're working, you know, a week with, let's say, 10 hours overtime, you're going to make more. Mm -hmm. But women may not have the luxury to do that because of motherhood. Right. The family gap. This has sometimes been referred to as family gap. And basically that means that it's not like you're working less. You basically have a four, uh, I was about to say a 40 hour day, but there's not 40 hours in a day, no matter <laughs> how much you might like it. A 24 hour day because you go to work from nine to five and then you go home and you've got kids to take care of, mm-hmm. dinner to make, et cetera. And it's all this unpaid work that women are racking up in. Right. And that unpaid work has been referred to as the second shift. The second shift. So maybe the reason why not as many women are working full time or overtime is because they, you know, they can't stay at the office because they got to go pick up little Johnny and Susie and take them home and put their dinners in the microwave. And, you know, it's not just Johnny and Susie's dinner she's going to making. She might be making mom and pop's dinner, too. Oh, no. Because I was reading uh, something from the Bureau of Labor Statistics that said that with the aging baby boomer population coming up, American women, about 44% of them are going to have one parent living with them as well as one child, at least one child under age of 21. So all of this is adding up to smaller and smaller paycheck. Um, <laughs> for another dismal statistic to add to this lovely stew, um, a study in from the American Sociological Review calculated that American women experience a 7% wage penalty per child. So you're just getting dinged. Every, if you just want to put a guilt trip on your child, yeah, show them your paycheck. 7%, Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> so you better take care of me when I'm old. Exactly. But Molly, on the upside, there are two things that might help us. Name them. College education. Okay. And waiting to have little Johnny. Really? Yes. A study in the Review of the Economics of the Household found that college-educated women who waited to have children until after 30 did not experience a wage penalty. But, you know, that's only one study, but still. But, Kristen, I just find that really frustrating that the only glimmer of hope you have offered me this entire podcast is that I just shouldn't have children until I'm 30. That is just... That's just wrong, I think. I think that it should just be more equitable. Well, Molly, let's, you know, let's just break it down. You know, we have, we got three things to think about when you're entering into the workforce. Your job choice, how much time you're going to spend on the clock, and when you're going to have kids. I mean, if you can just solve those problems, then, you know, you don't have to worry about the wage gap. Oh, Kristen, I went for tips from a real financial advisor just because you're so doom and gloom today. Okay. These are from CBS Early Show financial advisor, Ray Martin. A man. A man. All right, Molly. But what does a man have to say about this? <laughs> these are his tips for how women can address the wage gap. 
One of these you did already pick up on. You need to seek career counseling while you're in college so that if you are an education major, you kind of understand what you're getting yourself into. Mm-hmm. If you're an English major, you have to kind of understand what you're getting yourself into. Right. In journalism classes, they told us pretty much hourly that we weren't going to make more than $20,000 a year. So, so if your priority, into our brains. if your priority is money, then, you know, start taking math and science classes. <laughs> Um, my next tip from Ray Martin was to, if you do choose a company, to look at how female friendly it is. And you can do this by going to, uh, ratings like the Working Mothers 100 Best Companies list mm-hmm. and see how they value time off. Because as we heard, if you're getting the 7% ding with your children, you need to work at a company that's going to support you when you have these children. So you don't have to wait to have little Johnny and Susie, who sound absolutely adorable, by the way. Yeah. All right. Um, you guys can't see it, but Kristen just made an awful face when I talked about Johnny and Susie. But Kristen, how about this? We've talked about this before. When you get that first job offer, mm-hmm. what should you do? Negotiate. You're right. Because a lot of this wage gap might be just women not starting off on the same footing as men. That's a very good point, Molly. Thank you. <laughs> and so I will make another one. Another tip from Ray Martin is to join organizations that will help you as a woman. So if you're in a particular field, let's say engineering, there are tons of like women in engineering groups that can help you figure out how to succeed. They'll promote you. You can get involved and just really pad up that resume. Mm-hmm. And then Ray Martin's last tip kind of disappointed me. It was sort of like an if all else fails kind of thing. Yeah. He says if all else fails, just save more because you're not making as much. Burn. Burn. It's harsh. Molly, with all of this talk about money, might be a good time to switch gears for a second and thank our sponsor, Audible.com. You can get one free download by going to www.audiblepodcast.com slash mom and signing up. And if you want to sign up and do that, I have a recommendation for you. It's called Women in the Labyrinth of Leadership. It's an article from the Harvard Business Review. And while I always trust Kristen's recommendations, I have one too. It's Nice Girls Don't Get the Corner Office and Nice Girls Don't Get Rich by Lois P. Frankel. And these books are conveniently available in a box set at Audible. So again, if you want to check these out, the URL is www.audiblepodcast.com slash mom. And you get your first download for free. And since one of those tips we just gave was to save more, I think free downloads will definitely help. Well, it's nice to know that we have these free downloads and some support from the Oval Office with the Lily Ledbetter Act. And I think the most important thing, Kristen, is just to be aware of it. Don't let someone tell you, you know, that the gender wage gap doesn't exist because clearly you have enough studies. If anyone asks you if a gender wage gap exists, just tell them Kristen from Stuff Mom Never Told You (laughs) gave you about 100 statistics that proved it. From the government. All right, Molly, from the government. I didn't make these up. I know you didn't, Kristen. And if you want to see all of Kristen's sources documented extensively, you can check out this article she wrote called Is There a Gender Gap in the Workplace? It's at HowStuffWorks.com. And if you'd like to email us about the gender gap or any other ideas, suggestions, and comments you have, you can email us at momstuff at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?